And uh, I just want to say one thing um, to the fans and everybody in Gator Nation. Um, I'm sorry. Um, extremely sorry. You know, we were hoping for an undefeated season. That was my goal. Something Florida's never done here. But I promise you one thing. A lot of good will come out of this. You have never seen any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of the season. And you never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season. And you never see a team play harder than we will the rest of the season. God bless. My sincerest apologies to all you gaffers out there for the uh, week one brick. We need better. That's why we've transferred the hosting and um, recording privileges to one Brendan Beachler this week. For the first time in the history of the podcast, I will not be hosting this pod. Um, it was about time to take a week off after after taking taking an L last week, but hey. Just double the fun to talk about this week. How are we doing, boys? We're doing great. Great. And I would like to comment, this is not because, you know, Chuck's keeping the reins here. You know, we we believe in him running this program. Uh, This is why we pay him the big bucks, as you know, there's always going to be some downfall. Um, But, you know, always going to be back. Always going to be back. We're still getting it out. Yeah, who knows? Maybe uh, in a couple of weeks we'll find the the, uh, lost episode that we recorded for for week one, after like two months of college football, we're we're breaking down all the week one games that have already happened, and that would be yeah, item. yeah exactly. All the all the gold what. subscribers. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. If you if we were to find the lost episode, you would hear about a ten minute segment of me hating on Cade Klubnik, and that was. That was about as good a take as I've had on this podcast after that that showing last night. So I would love to dig that up just to show any of the Cade Klubnik truthers. I I highly doubt we have any in our listening base. I know but, Nick um, Nick was always a big uh, Cade Klubnik guy, but he's a he's just a five star guy. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, there's better. I'm gonna put my hand up here. I thought he was better than DJ. I did. I thought DJ was the problem last year. Um, think the, the script actually might be flipped on that one. Yeah. What do you think yeah, the score with, would have been with DJ last night? I don't even know if that that's a fair compare. I would just assume it's, natural progression under the same system with a guy who it looks really, it looks like a Dabo thing. I think that's a Dabo thing, but I think he would have been better than Cade. I think Cade looked abysmal last night. Yeah, he can fly though. Yeah, Why, a, they got to do they got to safety. Not a small guy. He always lowered he lowered his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, dude, there that, was just co- countless questionable decisions yesterday. It was disgusting, uh, to say the least. Seven points against a a vaunted Duke program that uh, came at home. But, yeah, no, it was bad, bad. Honestly, I think that might have been the story of the weekend. I don't think I've ever seen more undisciplined football. And now I get it, it's week one, but between that game from Clemson and the Gators I saw on Thursday night, just undisciplined play after undisciplined. I mean, we got to figure it out. Yeah, that Florida game, I promised a buddy of ours, I, I believe he he might be listening to this one, that I wouldn't go too deep into Florida as a personal favor to him. We'll just, we'll just touch on it. It is incredible to me that 
after and and this this might be a more generalized kind of take here but i feel like week one you should be a lot sharper than even a couple games into the season um that's a game that you've been game planning for for months and months and months. I feel like you have a better feel and a better read on what you're going to do in week one than the subsequent weeks when you're learning more and there's more new variables coming up, more injuries. You're learning more about the new teams you're going to play. I feel like you have so much scripted on your side of things for week one than you do any other week with the short lead time. You know, you have six days to prepare really five days to prepare for every other week you come in you better have your your whatever it is first 15 plays first 20 plays ready to go your personnel ready to go there's there's no question marks and that florida team looks like you just scrapped about other scrapped together a bunch of dudes and we're like yo we got this game uh we need we need all the guys we can get here's what we're gonna do we're gonna try to figure it out on the fly yeah, I mean, I mean there's so many mistakes that that are so avoidable and I feel like week 1 and and I know the normal kind of narrative is you iron things out and and that both things can be true. But how how on earth do you have two guys with the same number slated for the same punt coverage duties out there week 1? How do you not have your your Now that's one of the dumber things I've ever seen. I'll agree with that. <laughs> How are they? No one thought to speak up in practice. Yeah, like hey, this (laughs) could get confusing. I'm not saying it will, but just by chance, it does. Right. We have two guys that might be going going down, gunning on on punt, and we'll just cross that road when we get there. But it's probably going to be pretty early. Like it would (laughs) it would actually be really funny if if they had both their gunners number three the whole camp and no one realized. Florida after watching that four-part documentary. <laughs> I I think the repetition, though, goes a long way. I mean, there's nothing like game speed. I mean, it's different. There's the crowd. Um, Utah's not an easy place to play, I guess I'd say. Uh, they've no. been pretty good for a little bit, at, especially at defending their home turf. But I, I just think, yeah. you, you know, all we hear is this narrative of oh, it's SEC, it's different. I mean, it clearly was not different. That was their first true road game in like 30 years. And that, so that's already a big deal. And then you just absolutely get dog walked by a Utah team playing their second and third quarterback. Uh, I mean, Utah just continues to impress. I'll give them that. But Florida, like, what are you doing? I mean, figure it out. I thought Napier had a handle on the reins with year two. I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I will say just from – my experience playing football that we were putting packages in for like, I, we played St. Rita week one, two years in a row. They were, those were going in at like end of June, July. So you got, you're getting like at least month, month and a half where, where you are putting in your other plays, but you're just ironing these out and your defenses too. So I do agree that, I mean, game reps are so different, but as far as offensive scheme goes and like your first, your first 10 plays, your first 10, 15 scripted plays, those should be like, you know what I mean? Firing on all cylinders and coming from somebody who owns a uh, Florida under five and a half win ticket at plus 166. I'm uh, 
I liked I liked that performance. I think they'll win one SEC game, and it's because they play Vandy at home. Not because I think that team's any better than Vanderbilt, but because I have to believe that the Swamp gets them to one SEC win against Vanderbilt. I have to Mark. Mark, to your point, do you know who Florida plays this week? Uh, I have no idea. McNeese State. Okay, well, there's one win. <laughs> so so that that isn't exactly a game. You're talking about St. Rita, and for context, that's a good that's a good program they got over there. You're you're not putting in packages for McNeese State. Yeah, exactly. In the offseason. Yep. But you do know you gotta go across the country to play a Utah team that for the past five years has probably been a top 10, 12 program in the country. So if you think you have the chops to compete in the SEC and make a little run at this thing in your Florida, you bring in the new um, wonder boy quarterback. That's a joke. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> but, you know, everything, everything, your only concern is we got to get past Utah. And then you're gifted with a top five, top eight quarterback in the country not being out there. That is a gift put in your lap for arguably your toughest game for the first couple months of the season. Most likely, definitely your toughest game until... Um, Tennessee week three. I just pulled it up. Tennessee week three, and then you get, you know, it gets it gets pretty, pretty tough down there. You got, I mean, dude, they go Georgia. Where's that weeks. game at, Tennessee? It's in Gainesville. I still yeah, that's going to be in Ben Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. That's that's quite quite a name, but but it's it's wow, just one thing to finish that point is it, it's one thing to go out there and you're outmanned. It's another thing to go out there and give off to the everyday fan, the everyday watcher that's not a diehard Florida fan to give off the vibe that what 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 have you guys been doing for the last six months? Yeah. Like I like I, I would I genuinely that would be the first question I'd ask Napier in the press conference if I was a big J journalist. It's the same with Clemson, dude. It's the same thing. They you you would think these offenses that have drawn up everything for so long and you come in you come into a game and it's drive three and you're you're playing scared. You're running like Everything's screens. Everything's oh, third and long. We gotta run it here. He's where this drive's done. It's like, dude, what? It's it's week one, like the third, fourth drive. And these these, I don't know if it's the OCs. I don't know if it's pers- personnel. The fact that you got two ass five star quarterbacks as you're that you gifted the reins to, but I, it's not not impre- not encouraging for those fan bases. I'll tell you that. You know. Yeah, I'm disappointed in no honestly. For Billy Napier and the Florida Gators. I mean, that was the perfect synopsis right there. Chuck was utterly speechless trying to describe this Florida Gators team. That yeah. was doing anything all summer. It was the worst discipline football team I've ever seen. Uh, Mart, you said it. Same thing with Clemson. I mean, just what are we doing? This yeah, this this might be the last uh we we're talking about Florida in a while after yeah. the season upcoming. I think that's why they're worth touching on. It's just I, I see first, these other like, kind of big game. First kind of big game, I will say. Like, you and know, it was cool. Beach, Beach, you said this about, you know, the SEC is different. These other conferences seem to be getting deeper. I know. Pac-12's different, dude. Pac-12, and, and no. The SEC se- seems to be getting a little thinner right now. Yeah. I mean, we could we could segue uh, 
into into this game, which which all of us I think uh, were the most excited for this past weekend. Another SEC team who did they deserve a top what five, five. six preseason ranking? I really can't fathom who put them there, but they did. Getting absolutely skull fucked by an ACC school who yeah. is turning the ACC a little deeper. I'll say Florida State is different. They've always been different. I mean, this is now like if they're as good as at least I think I am, I mean, I, I put them in the playoff. They, this is now like three straight decades where they're just always relevant amidst this SEC dominance that, you know, everyone hints at. I always felt Florida State and, you know, this is coming from a Michigan fan, Ohio State have always kind of fit that that SEC mold can can play with them in the big game, have those big seasons. Like when they're good, they're really good. Um, they're up there. So to see this, not very shocking, not very surprising. Like I, 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 mean, have, I have the Knowles up there athletically. I mean, they got the talent out there. They're pumping out the five stars. Uh, they got a great coach in Norvell. And I know I hit on this last week. Keon Coleman is a top two receiver in the country. Um, I think maybe scouts are questioning if he's won after the lapse of Marvin Harrison Jr. and and his dominance. I mean, three touchdowns and over 100 yards. It's pretty impressive, especially. He did it all, too. CC team. The guy called his shot. He said, yeah, go route right now. Caught it. High pointed the ball. I mean, that was orgasmic to watch. Especially <laughs> Florida State better. The thing I will say, I mean. Florida State had a tough, what, five, six-year stretch. And now that the uh, what Norvell's kind of had gotten his guys in there type of thing, that they're, they've finally looked competent. But the whole thing that I, I was just thinking about that's interesting, because we touched on Florida, where for the, the states in this country that all these kids are coming from, it's California, Texas, and Florida. So the, the talent pool in Florida is so deep that – you got to get those kids. And I feel like in the years, I mean, Florida has been kind of asked the last, however long since, and they haven't been title contenders since Tebow. So that's 15 years ago or however long that is ago. And then Florida state had a nice stretch, but then I feel like they, once they went down the Alabama's, the Georgia's, the LSU's were going into they're Florida really country bad. and bad taking kids. Yeah, exactly. So they're losing out on all these kids that have always been in your backyard. And now that you bring in a competent coach that can recruit, look, look at the difference in talent. It's, it's talent too. They had just as much, if not way more talent on the field as LSU, who's always top three in the country in talent. You know what I mean? As far as recruiting goes. So it's, and that's, and look, look, look at where it's going to get Florida state, dude. They're fucking look great. It's interesting. Cause with one of the, the, out of those States you named, if you can recruit one of those three States and kind of win the battle in state, like with Florida to your point, you have Miami, Florida state, Florida, big programs, right? All programs that have won national championships yeah. in the last 20 oh, years. But, but that means, you know, you're getting a third of the share. If you can be that dominant yeah. one and convince recruits, like we are going to be better than these two. So if you want to stay home, be local, come here. I think that's where Florida State is making their money. I think that's where they have. It's just beat your, exactly, state, yeah. beat your state recruiting. When you're already blessed in your backyard, just make the most of it. Yep, for sure. I, I just think the biggest thing is, is I, when you watch enough football, which we all clearly do, 
I think the thing that that shows itself the most, I mean, year over year, is do, do these guys look better than they did last year, individually and as a team? Did did Jalen Daniels look better? No. Did did Malik Neighbors look better? No. And they had all off season another camp to prepare to learn the offense to get bigger to get stronger to get faster. Did I, I? I can't think of one guy from the eye test in that game on LSU that looked better than they did a year ago if they were on the roster. I, I look at Florida Davis State. He hurtled in the middle of the field. <laughs> Harold Harold Perkins looked like a joke, and he was supposed to be the number one edge rusher in the whole freaking college football. I, like, is this Brian Kelly? We talked about the coaching problem with Dabo and Clemson. Is this, as Irish fans, is this ghost of Christmas past here where you're seeing with LSU? I mean, like, I, and I look at the Florida State side of the ball, and I, I know they were active in the portal, and I know all those guys weren't there last year. So I don't know if it's, you know, fair to make the better um, insinuation with, with them coming from a different program, but it's like a lot of those guys. And you can't not look better beating a top top five air quotes team in the country, but they look better. These guys look better. The the guys that were that you were told were going to be good, and and Mike Norvell had had gotten his you know gotten his hands on, and and he he's a coach that is making his players better. Bottom bottom line, Brian Kelly clearly is not doing it. Yeah, bomb. Where Brian Kelly? Here they come, Brian Kelly haters. Yeah, I mean, can't win the big game. This wasn't an ND thing. Like it, where was Jordan Travis when when him and Mike Norvell linked up versus now? Dude, Jordan Travis was so bad his first year as starting quarterback at Florida State. He was he was he was no better than uh fucking DeAndre Francois. Yeah, and and now he now he's got. NFL eyes on him thinking yeah. that this might be a guy we can mortgage our franchise on. And I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I don't particularly think that. But was he making some plays that were reminiscent of Heisman's of years past? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he kind of was. Did did he did he decide to take a QB draw and jump into the second level unprotected and get absolutely slammed? No, he didn't, because he's not a freaking idiot. That that yeah. was Dumb. I think that really goes back to your like getting better argument. Uh, what I have a question for is, do you think that five is a fair ranking for them if, for the end of the season or at least around there if they do the same thing as last season and that's lose the opener to Florida State and then they beat Bama and then they lose to Georgia? Like, like let's say they do that. Like, what is then, what is then the, the, the take there? On, a, on an LSU season, um, especially speaking to Brian Kelly, because then you have the same conversations last year's. Well, what if they beat Florida State? I mean, last year it was obviously a lot closer, it being a one point game. This year was a little bit more of a beatdown. But w- what's your take on that LSU and Brian Kelly season if that happens? I think it's very similar to every other season he's ha- he had at Notre Dame, to be quite honest. Like, I mean, it's just not enough, right? Like you come out and you're a doormat and then you show some signs of life because of the talent pool, because you're somewhat of a good coach at times and, and 
clearly, clearly there's a disconnect with the modern player and his way of coaching. I, I really do believe that he w- he was a more effective coach 10 years ago, and he will never be as effective again because you, if you see the new brand of, of head coach, right, like the Norvells and the Marcus Freemans and even Harbaugh and the good ones adapt. Dion. The good ones, the good ones adapt, right? But there, there's this, there's this higher level of camaraderie, and and I I feel like the modern player adjusts and responds better to the energy that kind of resembles their energy, you know, like like there was, dude, it warmed my heart. I, Marcus Freeman was losing his mind after our defense fucked up and he is coming he looks like he's about to lay one of one of our dbs out like benjamin morrison blown assignment whatever he comes out and and yet kelly esque in in like the camera loves catching brian kelly just whining and bitching and moaning at his guys which is always hilarious to me like what the fuck like you know that kind of thing and i guess it's coming from the same vein but that it, it's almost you're just a teammate you know you're 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 a teammate in a lot of ways like no player would ever describe brian kelly as a guy that would resemble a teammate or a guy that's like he he doesn't give constructive criticism i feel like these guys that are seeing results now all have that uh, that ability to like empathize and and they've been there and and yeah i'll get on your ass but but i it it it's like I've been there before and and we're in this together type thing. It it seems like Brian Kelly's on a different team than than his guys. It's like he's playing against them. And 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 sometimes if you have a very good roster like you did last year and had a season yes, like that. Yes, dude, their roster this year is loaded too. I I don't care how they played, their roster is loaded with talent. Yeah, and and I just I just think it it's not going to be any different and you know, maybe maybe they do finish at five if that happens the same way. But this is a team that shouldn't be losing by twenty one in the first game of the yeah, season. Yeah, no, and no way with this roster. There's no way. But I don't know. Um, I would say like another just jump in here, another kind of program that took the leap here. Oh, can we talk about Colorado, the the Buffaloes? I mean, no. Dion brought his own luggage. He brought his own <laughs> luggage. Yeah, yeah this I, is it's. I don't know, dude. It, like, I know I'm going to get is pissed that off that at culture, D. though. That Chuck was just yeah. Talking, like, is that going to be? It seems to be. Is that going to be adopted boards in Colorado? Well, Dion's very unique, obviously. But I was going to say, and he'll obviously he's obviously very polarizing, and everyone's going to get pissed off and everything. A lot of the times, I know I will too. I'm going to get annoyed with his shit, but like, dude, it's definitely so much better for college football to have another character. You know what I mean? It's when you have coaches that are characters, it's, it makes it so much better. Like why, why would we ever give a shit about Colorado or like any of these, we're, we're going to be dialed into like all these PAC 12 schools. Cause even if, even if you hate Dion, you're going to tune in to watch him lose. You know what I mean? It's like Jim Every, Johnson. And pray, pray on his downfall type of thing. Like, but it's just it, it is so much better for college football to have this this figure, another one at least. But 
I can't think of anyone that's really been like him in college football. Like former player at that high of a level. I mean, obviously he's pretty he's kind of done like crazy things already with the transfer portal. I mean, 53 guys in, like that has never happened. <laughs> it sounds like a lie. Like it just sounds like lie. you're lying. That there's like I think there's like 50. It could be that they might be lying about that. I think there's 58 scholarships. Five <laughs> Colorado guys. He was not kidding. He brought his own luggage. I mean, there is never he shipped in a whole new regime in Colorado overnight, pretty much. And he's this polarizing figure where to every good point you just said about these guys, guys, and coaches, and will also like getting on you and demanding excellence. I mean, that is him, him kind of to a T. Uh, and he's got a lot of talent. I think a lot more than people thought. Showing up there, I uh, i mean, they're playing a Big Ten team this weekend in Nebraska. I certainly think they win that. I mean, they beat TCU. Now, I thought TCU was fraud, but it's still a Big 12 team. Now we go into a Big Ten team, home opener. Yeah, how did Colorado – that's that's hilarious that Colorado hires Dion as they have these, like, these out-of-conference games against TCU and Nebraska <laughs> just right off the rip, yeah. like <laughs> – Every other school's getting like a a McNeese State in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to to his credit, and Mart, I agree. Like, he does have this thing where whether he's whether he'll admit it at, at, or not, and I don't think he does. Like, he's it's it's a bit about Dion, you know. Like, yeah, for sure. He, it, Colorado is about Dion right now, and he loves it. But since he stepped into college football, he is kind of the cutting edge of where the game is going. Like, you know, he he is defining these new facets of the college football game and and taking advantage of them and and kind of shaping it seems like the the new age and he's only been in the sport for what 2 3 years like yeah. what he did with the transfer portal, what what he's doing mobility, all these things, right? And and I mean, I I don't want to take um, I don't I don't even want to talk about Dion anymore, and because I don't want to talk more about Dion than I want to talk about Travis Hunter, yeah. Because that was, I think, in terms of just looking at it from an outside perspective, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Um, when you when you break it down, playing almost every snap of the game in a hundred degree heat, making a game saving play at the goal line, torching the runner up of 2022, the national runner up on both sides of the ball. Most pre- pass breakups in the cut co- of any player in the country. I think he had three or four passes defended Went for over uh, a bill on the offensive side of the ball and made an incredible break on a, on a out at the goal line. Like, yeah, he and he, after the game, he said, "He's like, I got more. Let's keep going." Yeah, that's. He must just be, <laughs> obviously not must, just insane shape. He's gonna be. A, he's gonna be an absolute stud in the NFL, complete stud. I don't know how you use him, but <laughs> somebody should figure it out. He genuinely, I don't think we've ever seen this kind of production on the two-way player, and I think we've seen, at least in our lifetime, not really seen. Some great ones. 
I mean, this guy has get, got it done at the highest level of the game. I don't know what's crazier is that he almost played every snap and that he just exceeded so well at both facets of the game. I mean, having over 100 yards in interception and a pass breakup is just absolutely absurd. The guy held his island through the whole time on defense and then still had the energy to go out there and torch DBs. Insane. I mean, he's easily yeah. about to play college football right now. Who's yeah, the last one, sure. like Miles Jack? I was going to say Jabrella, but he didn't play that much on offense. I was thinking Champ Bailey. Yeah, or Woodson. He plays at, uh, at Georgia. You remember uh, Owen <laughs> – Mar, you remember Owen Marichich? <laughs> no, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> he was a fullback linebacker on Stanford back in, like, 2010. Walking remember- for Toby Gerhardt. Yeah, I just I just remember him being like, "Oh, it's so cool. He plays both ways, and he just really wasn't special on either side of the ball. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't do either of them well. <laughs> yeah, but it's like he's doing he's he's doing his best. He's doing both. He's doing both, boys. It's like pick one, maybe be just serviceable at one. Yeah, yeah, but he yeah, that was a joke. He's not up there with Champ Bailey and and Travis Hunter, of course. But it, it like is that something we'll see more of now? Like Dion's doing it. No other coach has really even ventured. Like a lot of these athletes, some coaches, I think that made them think. That made them think. Yeah, should we, should I, we I give think, them these reps in the slot? Like, I think that's a very special thing. And to Marty's point, like, wow, he must be in really good shape. That is absolutely <laughs> absurd to be able to do. I don't know if there's many players – who could who could do that physically, much the less at that high of a level on both sides of the ball? Yeah, it's Who'd unbelievable. Yeah, who be your top? I mean, like, like could Caleb Williams? What are you talking about? What do you mean top pick to do things on two sides oh, of the ball? No, like who can? Yeah, who can play right now? If you had like a player who could do something even close to that in college. college. No, well, no one. I don't know. It's well, it's like it's, I can't say someone would be a good cornerback, even though I think they no, would be because they, they haven't have, tried it. Like, had the ability to. Like, Tyree Coleman, Keon Coleman could lock up. I think Keon or, Coleman would be my top pick too. Yeah, corner or just safety downhill. That guy, dude. Kate, Kate Klubnick would make a great free safety. You see that yeah. chase? Did that chase down last night? Yeah. Um, no, but in 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 all seriousness, like you go back to an LSU, I think has had a bunch of them uh, over the past 10, 15 years. Like if if Patrick Peterson, a lot of a lot of it just starts becoming like you know defense return man. That's kind of the the two factor guy we've seen. But if it, you know Pat Peterson in what two thousand nine, yeah, yeah, he could have no, had a thousand sure. yard season that, uh, yeah. on offense. It is, and Travis Hunter and if all. You could play corner. You could play slot. He's probably going to end up as an NFL corner, but like, yeah, there's there's some special athletes for sure over the years. All right, I say we uh, we take a little break here, and uh, we'll be back. This was a lot easier when we just pack and pack in the whip and head over to DATV and, and spit some spit some facts into the microphone, but. Holy shit. We are committed to no longer giving half episodes this season. At The adversity we're facing this season has been tremendous, to say the least. Little little hiccup there. 
we're back, starting where we left off. Patrick Peterson going for a thousand yards as a slot wide yeah. receiver at LSU. But Electricity. I guess we can we can move on past the I don't know, the I, premise of great athletes in college going two ways because right now we only have one and his name's Travis Hunter. No one else has nutted up and said, No, I'm gonna do it. He's the only one. He's Dion's as much as Shadur is is Dion's little prodigy, Travis Hunter is much the same. Follow yeah, he him. probably I think he probably loves Travis Hunter more than his own son. I think it's quite possible the way yeah. the way Travis has kind of come under his wing since he was the number one player in the country. And I think he wants to do everything Dion did. And I think he wants to do everything that Dion did better. And I think he's trying to prove that to everyone. And he's trying to prove that he is that he is and was coming up, going to Jackson State, the number one player in the country, and he can do all those things. And we saw that from Shadura too. This and I've been hearing it just ad nauseum. Where they're giving too much bulletin board material, you know, the whole adversity thing, all that kind of stuff. But you know, these two guys want to prove to everyone, and I don't think that's false. I don't think that's a facade. That yeah, you have great players, FCS. They can go ball out FBS. I think these two might have been the two best players in FCS. So I don't know that it's fair to like broaden it. I know Shadur made a comment. I don't know if you guys saw this that there isn't you know much difference. It's really just in the trenches. But you know, I I don't complete. I think there's some merit there, but at the same time, it's like okay, well the F the FBS is shooting at about a 99.5 percent winning percentage against the FCS. So it might be a little more than that, but yeah, Colorado, what's their ceiling? I don't know, dude. They're, they're going to be good. I, I think it would be crazy if they got to a bowl game considering Vegas had their Vegas had their number at three and a half. So them getting the six wins, especially with how good the PAC 12 is this year. You got to remember that they're still in the PAC 12 this year. So I don't know. They got, they got a tough road ahead. They also scored really well in that Big 12. And what I think is hard for not at like not at the highest level of college football, but you know, somewhere lower to keep up with a Big 12 team can be, you know, exhausting. Maybe maybe the Texas Texas Techs of the world. Kind of this mid ball game Big 12 cuz they they do every week it's just a shootout. And that's kind of what makes it where you see them kind of eat each other alive. Is because you can have Texas Tech play Texas, who's ranked in the best team in the Big 12, and then somehow a 76-70 game. I mean, it's just crazy. So, obviously, that's an extreme example, but, like, I think them hanging with that, I mean, I, I think they beat Nebraska. I mean, when they play also with a slate of Pac-12, they're going to play. Do I think they hang with the top? No. I think they beat a team like Arizona. I think they could beat a team like Stanford. I think they could beat a team like ASU, Washington State, UCLA. I, I think they definitely could make a bowl game. After seeing that talent display and then be able to keep up with that many points, especially in the first game on the road, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's def- definitely a good story to follow for the rest of the year. Yeah, it was, Buffalo. It, the more I'm thinking about it, the more, like, what? 
why did more people see this coming? Like, was this story, did this story not write itself like already? You know, was this always just going to happen? You know, Dion, like the whole Dion factor of it, his son playing quarterback, number one player in the country, uh, what class of 2020 coming, like 53 transfers or whatever, completely made up. <laughs> <laughs> that is an absurd number. There's 58 scholarships. I always said this. get over that. Whatever completely made up number that we're going with these days. It's like COVID deaths at this point with with Colorado <laughs> transfers. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't want to get deplatformed here. That was also. I don't know which one I'm joking about more. I'd say we we move on because they'll give us plenty to talk about the rest of this season. As you, I, I mean, one last thing is if this was the Pac-12 of two years ago, it, it, we'd be talking about them maybe being, you know, a front runner here before Caleb Williams got to, uh, it would just be them, Oregon and Utah. Those would be the top three. But with, with the more depth coming in, it's like, yeah, it's going to be a little harder. But 13, 13 and they're, they're also going to, they're also part of what's making, going to make it harder for the rest of the teams in, in the conference of champions this year. It's Another yeah, game. It, it's a good, I was going to say it's a great, I don't know if you wanted to uh, get into a, a separate game, but it's a great send off for the PAC 12 to just the fight. They've been asked for the last like decade, I would say. And then they just have the deepest conference they've ever had in the oh, last year of its existence. <laughs> This feels like a 30 for 30 that's going to come out in 15. Right. Yeah, when, for the when, when Oregon State wins the national championship, that's going to be the 30 for 30. It's the Requiem of the Big East. It's the same script. <laughs> it really is. I mean, they had they, they already have been more productive in one and a half weeks than they had been in 10 years. Now, that's a big step up, but, like, I, I still think we see – like some teams are pretty bad. I just I don't feel great about who's going to win the Pac-12. Um, especially with seeing, um, especially the seeing the ACC team and in, in Florida State looking pretty good as another Power Five conference in the SEC and Big Ten looking pretty solid. I mean SEC hasn't, but I'm still taking. I'm talking about Georgia and Bama, really the only two teams that matter. Yeah. So I'm not really convinced because i think utah could beat oregon oregon could beat colorado, colorado they're gonna can they're gonna cannibalize each other but yeah the pac-12 has, has they've accomplished their goal because it's it's season three of this podcast and one of the longest running jokes of the show was us not refusing to talk about the pac-12 yeah, no, it was we, like, oh, should we talk pac-12 no no yeah. <laughs> Never. So now, now we are forced to talk about them. And I think I think they can rest their head tonight, and for for the rest of the season, uh, the barring a complete collapse, that they have they finally etched their way into into the split and gap show. Maybe I was going to say basis. the uh, the Pac-12 commissioner's got a lot on his plate right now, but uh, there's one thing he doesn't have to worry about. That's uh, discourse. From the Split and Gaps <laughs> podcast. Oregon dropping 81 points. I don't know if their basketball team dropped 81 points this year. Yeah. Washington. Bo Nix. Michael. Yeah. Wa Bo Nix and, and Mike Ropinas Jr. are, what, both 30 now and have finally 
been able to grasp the haunches of their team? Like, dude, I have I have two Oregon State futures. I just took them again today to win the Pac-12. I'm heavy. Feed me DJU. Their offensive line is amazing. They're gonna run the ball all year, dude. DJU. I know they played San Jose State, but there was a San Jose State that gave USC a game for two and a half quarters, and they blew the doors off him right away. And I don't think he got touched the whole game. He he had I tried flipped the game on, and there was a play where it was just like a late developing route or like everything was covered. And he stood in the pocket for like seven seconds and just fired a piss missile for like a 40 yard touchdown, just on broken coverage. I mean, Here, feed, feed me the beavers. There's palpable buzz. The experience of these quarterbacks in this conference right now is, is incredible. You have multiple guys with experience in a lot of games big, under their belt in big ACC games, big, big 12 games. Big SEC bonus. Big Big, big Ten SEC games. games. DJ DJU. Big ACC games. Um, DJU. Phoenix. Michael Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. Michael Phoenix. Big Big Ten games. Like all these guys. Um, Caleb Williams. Big Twelve games. Like all these guys have been vetted in different positions in different big games across the country, and have now joined themselves in the in the send-off of the Pac-12 to say, hey, fellas, yeah, we're all we're all getting up there in age. We can't really keep this thing going any longer. The last dance. <laughs> Dude, it's literally the last dance for like five or six quarterbacks that – and Caleb Williams is the exception, obviously, but guys that needed a fresh start. Caleb Williams, that didn't apply to because he was immediately like the most talented guy, but Michael Penix, Bo Nix, DJU. Right, his team's even Cam Rising's been there a while. Like, I guess he's oh, like welcome. For, forgot about Rising, yeah. Rising, but I guess he's like the guy who it's, like, it's hey, easily the best quarterback conference in in the uh, in college football. People are not, not saying close. People are not. Yeah, saying, it, it is not even close. That makes sense, though. Does that not? You know, I feel like the Pac-12 should have these big, talented veteran quarterbacks. I don't know why. Like the SEC defense, running backs throw in a Heisman quarterback, but I feel like th- this makes sense for the Pac-12. In because last most, year of I feel like most five-star quarterbacks come from like Bishop Gorman or California. <laughs> so it would make sense for them to be in the Pac-12, but they fucking JT Daniels goes to like Georgia or like they're, they're just going around the country. They tried USC, Pac-12's... but yeah, Bryce Young. Yeah. Yeah. Southern Cal. So yeah, many exactly. of those Southern Cal wonder boy quarterbacks. Maybe Lincoln Wiley um, will keep them home. Him and the Trojans. Well, they've always USC's always had a quarterback though. That that that's kind of what I mean though by like that Cali quarterback because they all go to USC, but then there's more than one guy. You know what I mean? They just fade the rest of the schools out there. Yeah, but, I, yeah. So my <laughs> last season, last dance. Woo! There, they've arrived. I haven't. I didn't see much this. like our intro. I still. I didn't either playoff but it's going to be fun to watch i'm certainly tuning in for back 12 after dark this year oh a thousand percent yeah it's gonna be right. great those games matter now yeah so i wanted to quick run down some of these uh some of these top 10 games obviously not playing top 10 teams but we had georgia ut martin michigan east carolina ohio state indiana alabama alabama middle tennessee some big Which games there. One... 
which one of those teams worried you the most? And and I don't know that any of them looked as, you know, dominant as as you would have expected. But did any did any worry you more than the other? I mean, they weren't probably what I don't think they yielded what we would have expected to see from those four teams, like the the preseason college football playoff teams. I mean, we had mentioned it on on the lost episode, but um, Ohio State with their with the pedigree that this was the one year that Ryan Day is going to have to coach, where he's not just handed C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields type quarterbacks. And you look at the highlights of that game, and dude, Cal McCord was twenty of thirty three for two hundred thirty nine yards and a pick. It's a dog shit game against the probably the worst team in the Big Ten. Indiana is probably Indiana is going to lose to Rutgers this year. Book it. It's game of the year right there <laughs> for the Scarlet Knights. But dude, I nothing impressive about Ohio State from that game at all. I I don't know, dude. Ryan Day. It's if if they like lose like three games this year or something like that, and this kid stinks. Like what? What has he done? I don't know. Nothing. That was that was something nothing. I noticed. I mean, I I do think. What you obviously see with them is the level of talent out there. Now, I think the quarterback issue needs to be addressed. I think Devin Brown is really the better play for down the season. Like when, you know, they Notre Dame is going to, is really coming up for them. And that's what separates yep. them Penn State, Michigan, and not only the Big Ten, but their side to make the championship game. Michigan and Penn State have very, routine schedules well they'll just be able to kind of build as the year goes on then you got to play michigan then you have to play penn state what ohio state doesn't have is they have a daunting irish team that has really impressed people since week zero uh there in ireland <laughs> um it just seems doesn't even, seem, doesn't even sound real week, week zero negative one that's a huge one they are a good ball club and that game is a way for the buckeyes i think it's going to be a real test and not that i don't think ohio state they're notorious for starting slow. Maybe they have a better second half of the game. They get a, they got a game two or something like that. I'm not worried. I think we need to address this quarterback issue. Not only the game before Notre Dame, I think maybe one, two games before. Uh, get Devin Brown, I think, going through a couple more game reps because I think he's more likely to win um, and carry this Buckeye team to the season they think they're going to have uh, rather than Kyle McCord, who I just don't think – he was the number two guy last year. He didn't cut it. I don't think we've seen anything well. And Chuck, going back to an earlier point in part one of this episode, the progression, the growth you see year over year, you'd expect a guy who has been under a top ten or top two draft pick in or top three, I guess, in uh, in Stroud, whatever he was, to learn a little bit more, to take the step, to take the reins. It's, it's my time. I saw what the guy in front of me did. I don't feel like we're seeing with that. Um, I might be hitting the panic button too soon, but they got to figure the quarterback situation out. Then they can be a lethal team. So when Marty and I were down in Austin this past week, um, I don't even think we've mentioned we were out there at uh, Texas Stadium for Texas Rice, another team that completely underwhelmed me, if I'm being completely honest another quarterback that completely underwhelmed me. But um, after about, what was that? Like 47 years, I was talking to to Marty and a comment I made 
in a complete stupor, but I, I remember it was a difference. And, and this goes for more than just Notre Dame, but I think the distinction you make when you're really looking at these teams is, do you have a quarterback that's not the problem or do you have a quarterback that's the answer? Those are two very different things. Like that, that's kind of what people are starting to understand about Notre Dame or kind of saying now after seeing two weeks of Sam Hartman is Notre Dame's quarterback hasn't really outside of maybe a few years in the last 10, 15 been the problem. But we also, we haven't had that quarterback. That was the answer. You know, Sam Hartman is seeming to people. And I think this is why there's this, I think nationally more people are believing in Notre Dame now because we have a quarterback. That's the answer. He seems like the answer. Ohio State, traditionally, their quarterback is an answer. Justin Fields was the answer to any of their problems. Same with Stroud. Um, same with Dwayne Haskins for a few years there. Um, you the, you go down the laundry list of teams that have competed and won national championships. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, he was an answer. Deshaun Watson, he was the answer. Like, they don't their quarterback is not the answer this year. So they're gonna have to find what that answer is and look back at the teams that have won the national championship outside of I mean, I'd say Stetson Bennett, people wouldn't, you know, put him in that same grouping, but I'd go back to Joe Jake Burrow. Coker, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Joe Burrow, he was the answer. Trevor Lawrence, he was the answer. Like all these guys, right, that have won it that was the distinction of their quarterback and then the rest of the team. Yeah. You might've had a, an insane D line that, that other teams couldn't game plan for or your receiver room was just didn't even make any sense how good it was. But like, if you don't have that quarterback, that's, that's an answer that can be an answer and will be the answer. Like, dude, I got, I got news for you. It's Ryan day. Fucking buckle up, buddy. Clock's ticking, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think the program's been on decline since he took over. Um, honestly, the team that I was most impressed with was Ohio or uh, Alabama in that regard. I feel like what Milrow, that's the quarterback they went with, right? Yeah. He had three passing and two rushing. I mean, it's Middle, middle Tennessee State, but that's a pretty complete game. Um, honestly, was was not – too impressed with the Wolverines, just going to go a little homer, was not. Um, I thought they had a great half, and I think that half of football was probably the best out of any of the top four teams. Um, but let's just put those guys to bed and, like, you know, I mean, score like 28 more points. They only scored, I think, three points in the second half. Uh, weird game. Seven. Michigan scored seven in the third quarter, then ECU squeaked out a field goal there to end that. Yeah. To- we don't need to take the breaks off up 23 to zero. Like that should be a game we get above 40 points. Uh, and just then they kick the field goal. Like that didn't look like an ass whooping all the way through and through. Um, then again, they have a cakewalk schedule. So I honestly think they'll just get better and better. But that that team is beating Ohio State again this year. That team is beating Ohio State. I like it. If you're looking at the at the flip side, right? If you're Ohio State, it's like, well, we have, you know, more five stars than God. We have, you know, the the name. We have the Buckeyes on our helmet. Like, okay, well, we don't have Justin Fields. But 
we have this embarrassment of riches behind us. It's like Travion Henderson was under four yards of carry against Indiana. Dude, that like you that is almost worse than seeing a young or an inexperienced quarterback having some growing pains in week one. Is them not be able to run the ball. I'm I'm looking um uh, Demonte uh Tranium, eight for fifty seven, Travion Henderson, twelve for forty three, Mayan Williams, seven for twenty five. Uh, Egbuka had one for nine, and then you know that that was it on the rushing side of the ball. Cade Stover, probably the only guy that that put up a, a nice little game for himself, five for a buck. But like Notre Dame last year had no quarterback, they decided that okay, well, we have Drew Pine, he kind of fucking blows, let's commit to the run game and beat teams down with it. I I know this is week one in a, in a game Ohio State was never going to lose, but at halftime, that's something you've got to start to think about. Is like, let's see if we can do it, you know. And and no one got that bulk of like twenty yards, but or uh, twenty carries, twenty five carries, but like they're going to have to start experimenting with that soon because uh, you know, again, to Uncle Ryan Day over here, like if you're not going to be able to ground and pound a lot of your conference this year. Dude, like it, it's gonna be this is this will be your last year coaching at Ohio State. He 100%. might be out quicker than Mel Tucker, and that's that's saying something. I dude, I don't know. <laughs> Mel Tucker blows, but ah, we'll see. Should we should we make a uh, graphic? Who's who's hitting the road point. first? I think MSU <laughs> doesn't too much money. Like they just simply can't afford to let him not at least stay the course. Ryan, all those all those poppers up in East Lansing, they can't pony up the, the dough, the boosters. Orion Day, I think I think Ohio State at a snap of a finger brings in a coach where you're like, oh, oh shit. Okay. In the words of Brad Pitt that were in the words of Billy Bean, adapt or die. You know, yeah. like Alabama is adapting right now and they are going to be a run first run almost always kind of team and they know that they know that's their personnel and that's what they did week one they're like okay that like it you cannot tell me that this quarterback competition that that they were having in columbus completely blinded their coaching staff and the rest of their roster to the fact that they wouldn't have they they had no other issues to address you know what I mean? Just having a quarterback competition doesn't mean that whoever wins is the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You had a quarterback competition that clearly, not because it took so long, not everyone was confident in. So, yeah, you're having a quarterback competition to figure out who's the best guy to put out there. But you also have to be thinking, we really need to, to you know, perfect this run game and and get our, uh, get our running backs juiced and get – get our old line looking like a, you know, run it down your throat kind of team because Kyle McCord's not it. If I'm missing something and Kyle McCord was lighting up fucking the Ohio state defense in camp, like he would have won the job sooner. What but about, he didn't. What about something, a similar quarterback thing with another top four team, Carson Beck and the Georgia Bulldogs had a very similar thing going on. I think Beck was named maybe a few days, maybe a week before uh, McCord was deemed the starter in uh, Columbus. 21 for 31, 
294, one touchdown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something to write home about. Then again, the, the dogs did win 48-7. to seven. Um, He also, I guess, ran one in. So he's got two touchdowns there. Yeah, it was a it was a huge game from the Tennessee Martin Skyhawks. They yeah. put up a good fight, but yeah, I don't know. Been it's, in that system for so the long. The problem like, is, is we're making right. we're making these judgments. We need to see what these guys are going to look like in an actual game because there were so many FCS games, that, and that's the problem. Even Notre Dame played their first FCS opponent ever. So with all these people playing FCS teams, it's hard because. Unless Shitter Sanders is some prophet and the uh, the talent gap isn't much difference, even though I would beg to differ. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's can Carson Beck look good against like Mississippi State? You know what I mean? Or some just random SEC team like that? Or that's going to have a lot more talent? I don't know. Dude, like, yeah, that the just that the games we're going over right now, it's pretty funny. Like, in the context of Shadur Sanders, you know, like we're, we're highly critical of the teams that won by 50 against the FCS schools. We're like, they need yeah. to figure it out because they only won by 45. Standard um, is the standard, right? But I think, I think Beck is, I think Georgia's in a much better position with their quarterback than Ohio State. Um, just to get out, that out there now. I mean, Beck, this is like Beck's fifth year in the program. He's been sitting behind guys for, I think I think it's four or maybe even five years in in um, in Athens, so there will be nothing new thrown at him, and I think the the rest of his team is better, so there'll be less he'll have to do. I mean, it was similar with Bennett. Bennett showed that he could be a great quarterback at times, but Georgia also showed that they wouldn't need it all that much, and that's a great position to be in when you can have a game manager and beat teams by 40, because that's very rare. But I, I just want to touch on on this guy, too. Watched him live on Saturday. I, I have seen nothing from Quinn Ewers to make me a believer in a, a year now. Like, he he is so jittery in the pocket with the ball in his hands that, like, he, he overthrows – on everything and an overthrow might mean spiking it. It also might mean literally throwing it over your receiver by 10 yards. But like that rice team was a joke dude. JT Daniels looked like a walk on. He's a former five star and it yeah. took them. a. And if it wasn't for Xavier worthy, just being able to make incredible plays over the field in that Texas D line, like dude, Sark has to be asking some serious questions. Like, Dude, and Arch, but the, the, how you feeling? That's the th- no, dude. It's um, Malik Murphy. I know, is, I know. Like they have, they have a plethora of riches at quarterback, and if this and they have so much talent too. If if this kid is not it, dude, you gotta yank him. If that's if you're truly a good head coach, dude, you gotta know. You know, you have to have a short leash. Like if if they're putting up a good a good fight against Bama next week, even with yours. If yours isn't playing well and their defense is keeping them in that Bama game, like I, w- I, if Sark's got a uh, a set on him, he'll go to Murphy. Like yeah. it's as simple as that. I yeah, don't know. it's not. 
deep viewers in the game. The whole talk, at least from you know media, and I'm even going to join this camp. They they probably would have won that game had Ewers not gotten taken out. I think he might have that kind of big game energy to him that allows you know him to propel himself to a different level as well as the team. So I feel like you got to stay with him, you know, pretty much the whole time, really. Unless now, I'm now if you're talking like laying like an egg, egg like we're really in this game. It's ten seven, and we've had negative offense, like couple red zone picks, like just nothing going. Yeah, then maybe we try a new look in there. But if if it's just like a couple errors, I mean, dating back to that, like, dude, he doesn't get out of that game. Like they're controlling that there in Austin. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He doesn't have he doesn't have Hudson Card behind him this year, nipping at his heels. Who just (laughs) laid an egg to the Florida or I mean Fresno State Bulldogs? But I don't know. Yeah, lot. It's it's nice. It's nice to be rooting for a team that is not plagued with the the quarterback issues right now. It is it is very nice. And let me tell you, there's no one happier than seeing. Ohio State having some trouble in their backfield. Like I, I've been waiting to see that for, then this, for a long then, time. Then this podcast, I think. Yeah, it's we're we are not fans of Ohio State on here. No, we're not. You couldn't tell. But it, was there any other uh, any other big games that we we missed? Um, I mean, Tennessee looked pretty good against Virginia. I guess no, that was one of the was... only other kind of non-FCS games of a ranked team. Really, like virtually the only one, honestly. North UNC Carolina South Carolina, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a good game. Uh, heels, go heels. Heel up. Uh, I think Drake May is, uh, you know, Chuck. I, I this is the dialect that I think the second time I've harped on it, but the progression you see, the growth from last season. I think you saw that at least in the first game with Drake May um, playing an SEC team. You know, those guys don't like each other. North, South Carolina, neutral site game in Charlotte. It was cool to see him under the lights. Like you saw that growth, you saw the progression. I thought UNC looked pretty good. I think they're probably at least after week one looking better than Clemson. I think it's UNC FSU's show there in the ACC. Yeah, I agree. Like week one is is not so much about seeing schemes or new guys out there. It's about the guys that have been there and have they developed. That's how you tell the direction of a program. Are the guys getting better? If they're not, you probably need someone new in there. If they are, you probably got some good cooking. And I mean, year over year, like North Carolina has been slowly making their way into a top like a, a top 20 program. And if like they have had historically bad defenses the last few years and have still competed and been ranked for large parts of the season, they've had the great quarterback play. So they're going to be an, another, another, another team to my point about these other team, the, these other conferences getting deeper. Now, now you're looking at Clemson, and and Clemson's looking at themselves like, holy fuck, we just lost a Duke, like, like UNC, Florida State, like, 
there's other guys in here now. We can't. We're not going to win this division. This just sleep, sleepwalk to the ACC we're, championship. We can't do that. Yeah. In the in the ACC and the Pac-12 in years past, the best team, the most talented team, was sleepwalking at times and got away with it. Those days seem like they're they're kind of over. So that's a good thing for the sport for sure. Very good thing for the sport. Any last words before we wrap up? College football is back. Can't wait for week two. Yeah, no, it's once, like I, I, I mentioned, um, with all these dumbass teams, like all these random teams that we saw play these power fives, it's going to just be, it's going to be a measuring test when you actually get some of these mi- middling conference opponents playing. You know what I mean? And you, you get to see it's 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 the next measuring stick, and that's going to be coming up in week two, week three, week four. For so it'll be it'll be fun to watch if how these people respond, how these teams respond. We have arrived. We have arrived. Your samples. All right. Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Get fucked. <laughs>